This morning, I want to take just a few minutes. I want to talk to you from the subject, living by faith and not our emotions. Living by faith and not our emotions. Listen, we've been talking the last several weeks, and we started off on this series entitled, Lord, I what? Believe. Believe, but what? Help my unbelief. And we started off by talking about we got to change the way we think if we want to change the way we receive. Because the way we think determines how we're going to receive. And then we got into talking about emotions for the last several weeks. And now I want to bring this thing to a close by talking to you about how to live by faith and not by your emotions. Because the truth of the matter is that a lot of times we can't help it because we have been so entombed to our emotions that we get used to living by our emotions. And so this morning I want to share before I get started. Many of you probably saw Kathleen's uh, testimony about her daughter and the dog. If you didn't see it, that's why you ought to be in the group. Because it's a wonderful testimony, and it goes perfectly as a segue into what I want to talk about. And I won't recap the whole story, but let me give you the short of it. Basically, her daughter, Havana, wanted a dog. And the kind of dog she wanted was, was, was a Frenchie, one of those expensive dogs. And her mother had finally said, uh, at first Kathleen said, no dog. Uh, I believe, and, 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 and then she finally said, okay, a dog, but it can't be an expensive dog. And as she began to tell the story, her testimony is so powerful because what it did is it showed us how we ought to be responding. Because eventually her mother said, okay, you can have a dog, but, it, but we, can't, it ain't, we ain't spending $1,500 on a dog. And I like how she told the story because she said what Havana did is she just went on the website. She started looking at all of these dogs. It didn't matter how much they cost. She just kept looking at them. And in the testimony she was telling, she said, and then she fell in love with the dogs. Different dogs she saw online, she fell in love with the dogs. She liked the dogs. She looked at the dog. She was like, oh, this is the one I want. Oh, I love this dog. What was she doing? And I thought about that. You know what she was doing? People say, well, you know what? She ended up getting a dog from her friend, and that wasn't even a dog on the website. I get that. But do you know what she was doing? She was creating an image on the inside of her. And I think that's what we miss sometimes. We don't believe God enough to attach an image to what it says we're believing for. Ooh, she, had, she had an image of herself taking care of a Frenchie. She had an image of herself holding the dog. She had an image of herself with this dog. And listen, watch this. She was even looking at places like rescue places. Well, if you read the story, what you find out is she didn't get a rescue dog. What she got was a registered AKC Frenchie. Come on, yeah. What she got was paperwork. Yeah. What she got was dog food. Yeah. What she got was supplies. Yeah. What she got was everything she needed and more because she built an image on the inside first. 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 No, no, no. Don't miss what I'm trying to tell you because this is more important than the message. The issue for many of you is you hear what God is saying and you run off to get it, but you ain't got an image to sustain it when trouble comes. You don't spend enough time mentally seeing what it is that God said to you. God said you, he wants to live in a house. You ought to have pictures of houses all around your house, all around your apartment. You got to get a mental image of what it is you're believing God for. You're believing for healing? See yourself 10 years from now doing something they said you might not be able to do. You gotta get an image. Tell your neighbor, say, you gotta get an image. 
And so I love that testimony because even though her mom was like, you know what, we can't get this kind of dog, this kind of dog, this kind of dog, she ain't lose her faith. And watch this. When you don't lose your faith, you don't have to argue with people. When you don't lose your faith, you don't have to beg. You don't have to keep saying, oh, please, please, please. Oh, please, please, please. All you got to do is just keep looking at what it is God says you can have. And when you keep looking at what God says you can have before you know it, you will. Mm-hmm. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, it's time to live by faith and not our emotions. Amen. Listen, one of the greatest advantages that we have as believers is that we have the word of God as a resource to help us and to guide us in bringing emotional stability into our lives. This is not a put down, but a lot of people are emotionally unstable. Now, 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 I'm not that's that's not a put down. That's not a slight because you may not have any diagnoses, but that don't mean you're not emotionally unstable. There are so many people who are emotionally unstable. What do I mean? I mean they respond to every emotion as it arises. Just because you're mad doesn't mean you have to respond in an angry way. Just because sadness comes doesn't mean you have to live in sadness. But because people are so emotionally unstable, they are tossed to and fro just like a ship without a sail whenever their emotions come. And the Bible says that God gave us emotions, but he didn't give us emotions to control us. He gave us emotions so that we can react in a positive manner with this world that is full of our senses. So mastering our emotions is possible. But it becomes impossible without God's word. Hear me when I say that it is possible for you to master your emotions, but it is impossible for you to do it without the word of God. The disadvantage that the world has is that they can't manage their emotions because they don't have the resource we have available. Now, here's what's sad. Many people sit in church every week and they have available to them the resource to control their emotions, yet they do not use the resource. And most of us say, well, you know, that seems crazy. Well, it's just as crazy as having a million dollars, but don't access the million dollars and you die of hunger. Now, if you got a million dollars, why wouldn't you buy a burger? But having a million dollars and not buying the food that you need will still cause you to be hungry. Coming to church and hearing word but not using word will still cause you to be emotionally unstable. Just because you come to church doesn't mean the word is going to work for you. You have to work the word. We were talking about this earlier. Go to Psalm, and they'll show you on the screen. Psalms 119 and 105. The Bible says the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So when you and I find ourselves in an emotional state, when we find ourselves dealing with stuff that is crazy, it's not the time to respond based on our emotions. It is time for us to get in God's word and see how God says to respond. Tell your neighbor, say, the Lord Lord is my light. Without wisdom, we gain from the Holy Spirit all we can ever hope to do at best is to learn to simply cope with our feelings and not to let them dominate us. 
But too many people allow their emotions to dominate them. You cannot live in faith if your emotions dominate you. You cannot live in faith if your emotions dominate you. If your emotions are dominating you, then every time the enemy wants you to do something different, he just sends a different emotion your way. The Bible says that you live in this natural world. And because you live in this natural world, it says there is a prince of the air. His name is Satan. And because Satan is the prince of this air, if you always operate in this realm, he's always going to have authority over you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Satan's days, Satan's days. Of, having authority of having authority over my emotions, over my emotions. Ends, ends now. You ought to go ahead and give the Lord some praise for that. At the very best, if you don't change how you think and change how you understand this, you will at, at best will only be able to cope with your emotions. Let me let, look at something at Romans 12 and 2. Look at Romans 12 and 2. Romans 12 and 2 says this. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may what? Prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. I want you to see out of the Passion Translation. Out of the Passion Translation, it says, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. Just because your friends go off don't mean you ought to be going off. Just because your friends respond inappropriately don't mean you ought to be responding inappropriately. Just because folk in the church respond inappropriately don't give you the right to respond inappropriately. He says, stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly what? Transformed. How? By the Holy Spirit. Why, do we, why, is, it, why is that so good? Because some of you are trying to use willpower to change your emotions. Willpower is just an emotion. You can't change an emotion with an emotion. He says, if you want to change your emotion, you need something greater than emotions, which is the Holy Spirit. He says you need to be transformed by the Holy Spirit through the total reformation of how you think. How you think. If you don't change how you think, you're going to be the same person 10 years from now. If you don't change how you think, the way you spend money now, you'll spend it even if you have more money. Do you ever wonder, and, and people say this all the time, oh, if I won the lottery, I would never go broke. If you broke now, you would. People say, oh, no, if I won. You know how many people win millions of dollars and five to ten years later they have zero to show for it? Why? Because they won the lottery, but they didn't change how they thought. That's when people say, oh, if I had more money, I'd give more. No, you wouldn't. Because we know what kind of giver you are by how you give now. If you won't give $10, you sure not going to write a check for $10 million. So you got to understand. Every, tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor. Everywhere you go, there you are. That's the problem. That's the problem. The problem is not your environment. It's not you going to a new... Every time I go to a job, people doing something crazy. Mm-hmm. What's the common denominator? You... Everywhere you go, folk act crazy. It's you. 
And so the Bible tells us, it says you got to be transformed inwardly through the Holy Spirit. You need a total reformation of how you think. He says if you do it, it says this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I'm being transformed. Understand, no matter how hard you try, living by our emotions is bound to cause us to struggle at some point. At some point, you're going to struggle if you live by your emotions, because at some point, a negative emotion is going to arise. We must not base our feelings on our physical senses because our emotions can and will change according to transitory appearances. Listen. I don't know if you know this or not, but there is research that says people are happier when the sun is out. That's why you got people who live up north or they live in the northeast and, and, and they have all that gray sky. They have to get away and go down to Southern California or Florida or somewhere for some sun. It's the reason every winter in northwest Arkansas, everybody talking about they won't live in Florida. Because it's cold. Why? No, what? No, when it was minus 60 degrees, nobody was saying they won't live in Chicago last week. But watch this. Chicago's beautiful in the summertime. People are like, oh, let's go to the Miracle Mile. Yeah, it's a great time down there. But notice how that's subject to change. So if you live by your emotions, you are going to be subject to every change that comes your way. I love my wife even when we fight. And if you don't understand that, no, seriously, if you don't understand that my love has nothing to do, my love is what God told me to do. My feelings is based on what's going on. Because we could be at Egg and I having a great time. On the way home, have a disagreement. My love didn't change even though the emotions did. But if you live your life based on the emotion, whatever the latest emotion is, is what's going to be your latest behavior. So you got to learn to live by faith and not your emotions. Let's look at Romans 7, 19 through 21. Paul talked about this struggle. Jesus said, listen, I have suffered the same afflictions that you suffer. Paul said, listen, what you're going through ain't nothing that every other Christian going to have to go through. You're going to have to make the decision to either be led by your spirit or led by your emotions. He says this in the word. It says, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but it's sin that dwells in me. He says, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He said, that's my delight. I want to do what's right. I want to do what the spirit is telling me to do. He says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He says, here's what's happening. I got a will to do what God wants me to do. But when somebody talk crazy to me, I got another member inside of me talking to me. And because I got another member on the inside talking to me, if you keep talking to me, depending on how strong I am, who you hear next, it's either going to be this inward man that I struggle to do right by or this other man who's going to give you what you're asking for. The same thing is true in every one of your situations. When God is asking you to do something, but your emotions are tugging at you to do something different. God says, believe me for healing. You said, oh, but I'm racked with pain in my body. 
God says, believe me for wealth. You says, oh, but I, I ain't never seen anybody who had as much money as I'm believing you for. He says, what you need to do is decide which one's going to win the battle. Is it going to be your inward man or is it going to be someone else? I like what it says in the Passion Translation. Now, now pay attention to this. He says, my, this is Paul talking. He says, my lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things that I want to avoid. So if my behavior, watch this, contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity doing it. But it's this unwelcomed intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. I got a desire to do the right thing, but my emotions keep making me do the wrong thing. I don't want to go over her house. But my emotions make me pick up the phone at 1 a.m. when she called. <laughs> and if I go over there, I realize it's not really me. It's that inward man that's causing me to sin. But even though it's not me, the consequences follow me. My mama used to say it like this. She said, you can act a fool if you want to, but when I beat your tail, I bet the devil gonna leave. She said, it won't be the devil feeling it, but I bet you gonna feel it. And every time I gave in to that other man, I felt it. And some of you are suffering right now because you are giving in to that other man and you are feeling the consequences of giving in. So today you have to decide, I ain't letting this other guy win no more. I'm no longer going to be dashed by this other inward man who's causing me to fall short. He says, through my experience of this principle, watch this, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, Deep within my true identity. Deep within my true identity. I love to do what pleases God. Anybody love to do what pleases God? Yeah. He says deep down in my true identity, I love to do what's pleasing to God. He says, but I discern another power operating in my humanity. Waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin. This unwelcome intruder that shows up in my humanity. So what you've got to learn to do is you've got to learn to get to the place where you ain't always operating in your humanity. Amen. Pastor. How do I not operate in my humanity? Stop always talking about you keeping it real. I'm just going to keep it real. No, you need to keep it faith. What did God say? Well, Pastor, I feel like, what did God say? I just feel like I should, what did God say? Well, you know, my auntie said, you can say whatever you want to, but at the end of the day, there's only one question to be answered. What did 
because that's where faith begins where the will of God is known true wisdom is letting our faith in God's word instead of our feelings govern our words our behavior and ultimately our lives you know folks be folks people you know I've, I've, I've been talking to to several people in within our ministry and they've talked to me about how they struggle to come to church they're like you know I have every intention to come and then something come up it's going to keep coming up until you decide ain't nothing coming up I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know what else. I don't know what else how to explain. Well, Pastor, I be I, I get up on Sunday and, and listen. If the pipes bust, the pipes bust. Turn the water off and come to church and deal with it when you get through. Yeah. Ain't nobody coming on Sunday anyway, and if they do, they're gonna charge you four times. No, why? Why am I talking about this? Because the enemy uses everything he can to get you not to dig into the word. Because if you dig into the word, that deep, true identity will come to the surface. And now you end up doing what God says rather than what your emotions say. You got to get to the place where you're like, you know what? Here are the things I'm committed to. I am committed that if I'm in town, I'm coming to church. You know how many times I've come up, even when we were in the hotel, how many times I set up sick? Come on. But I was committed. Yeah. And while I set up, I got to feeling better. Yeah. And when they sang songs, I felt even better. And when I preached, I felt great. Yeah. Now, if I didn't feel good afterwards, I dealt with that. But I didn't let it impact what I was going to promise God I was going to do. And you got to get to that same place. You got to get a tenacity that says, I'm not going to let every excuse stop me from doing what God told me to do. Not just with church, but whatever God's told you to do. God's told you to be more consistent in your prayer. Oh, man, I worked a 12-hour shift. He knew that before he told you to pray. <laughs> the reality of it is, for some of you, you take on too much mess, and that's why you're tired. Not because you're doing something. You're busy, but you're not productive. And being busy ain't the same thing as being productive. But that's an emotional thing. Because if I feel busy, I feel like I've accomplished something. But in all your business, what did you do? You could have stayed, you could have took 30 minutes of that and used time for prayer and actually accomplished something. But if, you're, but if you're in your emotions, the fact that I say that to you make you mad. But I ain't scared of none of y'all. <laughs> Now let's look at what 2 Corinthians has to say. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not what? But they are what? Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And watch this word again. Bring it into what? Captivity. You keep seeing that? If you're going to get control of your emotions, you got to learn how to take them captive. You got to learn how to capture. Listen, when, 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 when law enforcement officers are arresting people, they make them put their hands behind their backs and then they put them in handcuffs. Why? Because it's a manner of subduing them. It's putting them in a position where they can't turn around and hurt them. Some of you need to learn how to make your emotions turn around and put their hands behind their back and you use the word of God and bind them up so they don't turn around and slap you in the face and make you do that which you don't want to do. Come on. He says, 
Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. But I love it again out of the Passion Translation. Look at what it says here. It says, for although we live in the natural realm, it says we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Manipulation is an emotional uh, tool that people will use and you should not ever let people use it against you. My, my, my wife is trying to decide what, what her next car is going to be because we got to, depending on where Caleb goes to school, he's got to take her, her car with her. So we were out looking for a car yesterday. And as we were looking for a car yesterday, we weren't ready to buy a car. We was looking for a car. But the guy was being a little pressury. He was like, yo, come talk to my sales manager. Come in my booth. No, 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 no. I, I need a book. We want to look at what we want. And he kept on being a little pressure. And I told Pashan, I looked over her, I said, now you know how I am. Even if it's a good deal, if he pressure me, I won't buy it. I turn it down and believe God to send me a better deal because what you're never going to do is pressure me into doing something I ain't ready to do. You ought not let your emotions pressure you into doing something you ain't ready to do. But everybody getting married, so? Everybody having a baby, so? And you, and you need to be smart enough to say, not everybody, because I ain't. Don't let emotions cause you to do something that you aren't ready to do. I tell people all the time, because people ask me for advice. I was telling Pastor Sean this the other day. Since 2014, it's been 2014, so five years. I've personally had seven people, seven people who I have mentored, who when I met them was making less than $50,000 a year. And now they all make over six figures a year. All of them, all of them. I was talking to a guy the day, he called me, he said, listen, I want to tell you, if you, when we were sitting in your office, if you hadn't talked to me the way you talked to me and told me all the stuff you talked to me, he said, I'd still be making less than $50,000. He said, I just want you to know, he said, my boy, he's a superintendent now, he said, my boy just gave me another raise and I'm now over $100,000. But here's what I tell people though, if your emotions are such that you are fearful, that you always need safety and security, you'll never make $100,000. So when people come to me and they talk to me about, Pastor, can you help me get a job? Not if you're scary. Because if you're scary, you'll stay where you are, even when they treat you bad. But a person who ain't, who ain't involved in their emotions, a person who has no reason to fear, will say, hey, this company offered me this. What are you going to offer me? You can't match that? Been great knowing you. But emotions say, well, they hired me when nobody else would. They took a chance on me. They paid you for the work, didn't they? That's the only agreement that was made. I work, you pay. All that other stuff is emotion. And when you get emotion involved, it'll get you stuck in situations you were never designed to live in. People be like, Pastor Sean, Pastor Edward, will you cancel us? We're dating. No. 
I didn't counsel no dating people. If it ain't working when you together and you dating, break up. Break up. Because I'm not going to get involved in all that emotion when you stuck in a non-permanent situation. And the problem with some people are you are in non-permanent situations. Your job, the person you dating. Listen, my family, I love them, but they are non-permanent. Not you. But, but, but watch this, though. But watch, but watch this. And, but, but watch this. We've talked about this. We've got some agreements. If I egregiously violate those agreements, she crazy if she stay. Now, now y'all got quiet then, didn't you? No, we have some agreements. And if she egregiously violates those continuously, I'm out. Why? Because I don't take mess. Now, the problem is, is we went through some mess, but we was working through our mess. Some of y'all are in non-permanent situations. He your boyfriend. He your girlfriend. And he don't call you for three days and you crying about where he is. Why you care? In three days, you ought to be dating somebody else. But your emotions, your emotions make you stay. Your emotions make you stay. Your emotions make you take that kind of abuse. Listen, he says, for although we live in the natural realm, we do not wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons, they are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. See, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. we don't have a problem, we don't have a problem. With, people. with people. Say, we have a problem, we have a problem. with the spirit. With that operates, that operates behind them. Behind mm-hmm. Them. Mm-hmm. See, I ain't mad at you, but there's a spirit to make you act like that. Because the spirit behind you to make you act like that want me to act like that with you. <laughs> and if I ain't careful, I will, I will get with you. So I have to make sure that I'm growing up and becoming so that when you act like that, I don't act like that too. He says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy. Watch this. That opposes God. It's a deceptive fantasy. When your emotions want you to go in opposition to God, it's a fantasy. A demonic fantasy. It says, we, it says that, that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up. In defiance of the true knowledge of God, your emotions rise up to act like they smarter than God. God says, I'm healed, but fear says, be afraid. Are you crazy? I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to God. God says, I have more than enough. But then lack tries to tell me I ain't going to have enough. I'm not going to listen to lack. It's a false demonic fantasy trying to raise its head against the true knowledge of who God is. It says, so what do we do? We capture it like a prisoner of war. Every thought, and we insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry. 
He says we are armed with such dynamic weaponry. It would be like if you was going to fight somebody and they had a 22 and you had a tank. You inside the armored tank and they come out, bing, bing. And you like, boom. He says, we are equipped with such dynamic weaponry. He says, so we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion. What do I mean by that? If the Lord says, and, and this is no joke. The, the Lord used to say to me at a time in my life when he, when he was taking me through some things, I was fasting a lot more than I'm fasting now. And I would start to fast and my body would start to crave certain things. And I would tell my body, crave it one more time. We won't eat it for six months. I didn't eat beef for one whole year. For one whole year, I didn't touch a piece of beef. Every time my body said it wanted beef, I put it on restriction for another three months. Because sometimes you just got to take authority over what's trying to take authority over you. What does that look like? You get to reading your Bible, and every time you read your Bible, you're like, oh, I wonder what's happening on Housewives. You ought to make yourself not watch it for three months. Be like, I'll cut my Netflix subscription off if it interferes with me getting close to God. Y'all are like, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. (laughs) Listen, whatever it is that's hindering you, you have to be ready to punish it. it. Tell your neighbor, say, punish it, it. not people. people. We ain't punishing people. We're punishing it, the thing behind people, which means that if I always get close to you and every time I get close to you, it causes me to have some issues, then I have to be smart enough to go, you know what? It's not really you, but it's the spirit on you. And so I have to distance myself from that spirit. Here's where emotion comes in, though. But you're going to hurt their feelings. So you'd rather not hurt their feelings than live in bondage? I tell Pastor like this all the time. I've said it since the time I was a kid. If somebody got to be unhappy, it ain't going to be me. If somebody got to be unhappy, it ain't going to be me. If I can't be with you, not you, but if I can't be with you, (laughs) if I can't be with you, microphone, then I'm going to separate myself from you. And if that makes you sad, I'm sorry, but I got to do what's best for me. Because when I do what's best for me, now I might be able to come and get you, microphone, and help you be a better microphone. You understand what I'm saying? The problem is that some people, they stay where they are because of their emotions. You got toxic friends, but you don't want to leave them because you're trying to lead them to the Lord. But they pulling you down to hell. You, 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 you can't bring them to where you are because they're stronger in their toxic, toxicity than you are in your strength. So sometimes you have to disassociate, get stronger, and then go back and get them. Why? Because we are armed with such dynamic weaponry. And so we have to stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion. Listen, confidently knowing what God has said to us in any area of our lives, instead of having to rely on our emotions at any given moment, puts us ahead of the game. And it puts us in emotional control of our lives. You find a person who is emotionally not in control of their lives, and you can manipulate them to do anything you want them to do. I am not suggesting anybody should do that, but you need to understand the world that we live in. There is a thing, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it, it's called the 49 49 Laws. And if you've ever studied the 49 Laws, and if you haven't, that's cool, but if you've ever studied the 49 Laws, every single one of those laws is about how you manipulate somebody to get them to do what you want them to do. And the fact of the matter is they work, I know, trust me. (laughs) 
They work. But they only work on people who are led by their emotions. And that's the reason they teach it to salespeople. Because anytime you're trying to make a sale, you don't want somebody making an intelligent decision. Why, why would I want you to make an intelligent decision to buy a $10,000 vacuum when you live in an apartment? <laughs> Come on now. I don't want her thinking, well, I don't live in 900 square feet. I don't even need a $10,000 vacuum. Forget all that. Look at what it'll do. You can clean your upholstery. You can clean your couch. You can clean your house. It'll do it. It'll scrub your Listen, I ain't going to do all that. Why do I need a $10,000 vacuum? But a salesman will convince you that you need one. Listen, they knock on my door. Ta, 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 ta. Pastor Simpson, why you always talk to me? Because I'm nice. I like to talk to people. Hey, how you doing? Hi. Hey, I got this spray to clean. Well, will it clean? <laughs> will it clean this? Come on in here. I ain't buying nothing. I ain't moved by my emotions. If I have decided, if I have decided that I am not going to buy it, you want to come clean something. I tell them up front, look, now, I ain't going to buy that. Hold on, if, 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 I, if I clean it, you going to want to buy it. Come on in. Don't you like how this shine? It's nice. nice. Woo. Will it do the other side like that? <laughs> Listen, but when you are controlled by your emotions, people will pull on your emotions. It's the reason that we don't, when, we, when it's our time to give, we don't cut the lights down and have the, and have the, light, the, the lights glowing and the music playing and, and pulling on your heartstrings. We could do it, but we don't want to do that. Why? Because you're just manipulating people. And we don't want to teach you manipulation because we want you to understand you shouldn't manipulate people, but nor should you be or be manipulated. You shouldn't do that. Listen, feelings can lead us in the wrong directions. To achieve victory, we must live by faith. Anybody ever been led in the wrong direction by your feelings? Come on, don't, come on. Those who didn't raise your hand, if you didn't raise your hand, you get on up here right now and let me pour some of this oil all over you because you lying. We have all made bad decisions by being led by how we feel. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. It says, for we walk by faith and not by The word of God warns us to walk by faith and not by our emotions. It's important to note, though, that when I say walking by sight, I don't just mean our eyesight. It also includes all of our other physical senses. You can't wake up and go, oh, I feel good today, so today's going to be a good day. You got to declare today's going to be a good day no matter what you feel like. Amen? Amen? We must not be moved by what we see. We must be rooted by what God has said. Look at what it says in the Amplified Version. It says, for we walk by faith. In other words, we regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus, we walk not by sight or appearance. We simply cannot trust our emotions to lead us in a positive direction on a consistent basis. Why? Because emotions can and do change. In fact, they can literally swing wildly from one direction to another based on what we are perceiving with our senses. If I called you up here right now and I said, okay, come up here, I want to give you $100. And you walked up here. And I said, okay, no, nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> now your feeling just changed. Your feeling just You're like, that's wrong. They should play with people like that. Well, your emotions change based on what's going on. So you can't depend on them to lead you in a consistent light. If they lead you in a consistent light, it's going to be consistently up and down like a roller coaster because your emotions always change. Our faith, not our emotions, gives us the victory. Controlled emotions equal spiritual maturity. Come on. 
I'm going to say that again. Controlled emotions equal spiritual maturity. Controlled emotions can keep you out of jail. Now, that's real talk. You know, when my kids were learning to drive, you know, I used to, I used to tell them all the time, if somebody pull out in front of you, you don't just be laying on your home and blowing at people. I mean, maybe they were in the wrong, but you don't know how crazy people are. No, seriously, all the time across this country, somebody blow at somebody or honk at somebody, they slam on their brakes, get out and Your emotions will lead you down the wrong path. You are not in that big a hurry that you got to be blowing your horn at somebody. Everybody, my grandma used to say it like this, everybody wasn't raised like you. There are some people who ain't got nothing to live for. And they just as, they just as willing will take you out while they go out. So you got to learn that your emotions are designed to be used by you. They are not used to control you. Pope be talk, talking about road rage. You better get rid of your road rage because somebody may be raging more than you. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a video of somebody doing something crazy and they jump out the car and get the brakes beat off them. Why? Because they didn't control their emotions. Pastor Sean said on Facebook the other day, I thought it was so wonderful. She had made a post about people, you know, because, you know, we, we grew up in an era where we listened to Ice Cube, right? Tupac and, you know, EPMD. I mean, our music was hard. I mean, it was, now it's hard, but you can't understand. We, we, had, we had music you could understand that was hard. Man, I'm 47 years old. I ain't going to be tussling with nobody in the street. Even if I win the fight, it takes me two weeks to recover. And so you got to use your emotions and understand that. I ain't going to be out there just squaring off on somebody fighting. So if somebody pull out in front of me and blow their horn and flip me off, I'm just like, all right, cool. Because, I mean, I could get with them, but at what cost? The cost of my reputation? Because that's what some of you do. Somebody say something to you and you let your emotions go and before you know it, you done typed out something and put it out in the public forum and somebody done screenshotted it. And now it lives there forever. Child of God. I, and now they tell me, I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Yeah, but you let your emotions get the best of you. So you got to be careful. 1 John 5 and 4 says this. It says, for whatsoever is born of God, say, I'm born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world it is our faith say my faith, my faith makes me an overcomer. overcomer Hebrews 11 and 6 it says but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him amen the word teaches us the wrong things about our emotions. And if we're not careful, we grow up believing the wrong things about our emotions. Psychologists often tell us uh, that we are to give vent to our emotions, that we are to allow them to run their course. They actually coach us not to hold anything in, but instead to let all of our emotions out. They also teach us techniques on how to simply cope with our emotions instead of taking authority and mastering them. I am telling you that letting all your emotions out ain't always the right thing. Come on. Sometimes you need to learn to hit the pause button. Yes, you're mad. Yes, you're upset. Yes, you want to go off, but that's your boss. Come on. 
I can't tell the number of people I talk to. And, and, and they be like, you know, man, I get sick and tired of my boss telling me what to do. It's your boss. <laughs> it's your boss. That's their job. But your emotions take it to this place like somebody trying to have authority over me. No, they're not. They have authority over you. And the thing is, there are times that my boss says something to me, and I, if I'm going to get frustrated, I'm going to get frustrated by my wife. I ain't going to go off on my boss. Now, I'm not saying you, you go to work and you get mistreated, but just because they told you they need to report by five and you didn't want to do it till next week, that, that, ain't put, that ain't doing nothing bad to you. So you got to get to the place where you learn to control your emotions. Emotions like things like you'll see somebody else get something that you didn't get. That's jealousy. That's an emotion. And most people don't like to admit it, but most people suffer a lot from jealousy. The thing with Christians is we know we're not supposed to be jealous. So what happens is, is we get jealous. We know we're not supposed to be jealous. So then jealousy actually turns into shame. And so now we're ashamed that we're jealous, but it didn't stop the fact that we're still jealous. So now one emotion turned to another emotion. So now you're jealous and ashamed. When instead, all you had to do was say, you know what? I acknowledge that I feel some way about this. However, whatever God has for me is for me. That's how you take that emotion captive. Amen. So real quick, let me give you these five things. I want to give you five ways that you can overcome this spiritual battle. Real quick, these five things, because you need to know. them. Number one, if you're going to overcome your spiritual battle and you're going to overcome, you're going to win the spiritual battle over your emotion. Here's number one. You need to fill your mind with timeless truth so that you can focus on that despite your changing emotions. What? Did God say is a timeless truth. It's a timeless truth. God told me to take care of my kids. He didn't say until they was 18. So it's a timeless truth. So no matter how old they get, no matter what they're going through, if they daddy can help them, I'm going to be there because that's what God told me. That don't mean I don't want them to stand on their own two feet, but if they ever get wobbly, I'm there for a foundation. Why? Because it's a timeless truth. God told me to pastor. That's why in time that I get an opportunity to do something that's in my career field that seems very, very exciting, but it's going to take me away from pastoring, I turn it down, no matter how much they're going to pay me. Because sometimes you got to keep saying it. <laughs> so, so when it comes through, you're you like, yeah, I'm going to stick with this. So you got to fill your mind with timeless truth so that you can focus on that despite changing emotions. The more biblical truth that you have in your mind when Satan attacks you, the better off you're going to be. The more likely you are to win the battle when you got words you can fight with. So make it a habit of reading the Bible and meditating on the words that you read. I know it's 2019, but reading the Bible still has a fundamental purpose. You need to read the Bible. Well, I don't have no Bible. There ain't nothing to be proud about. Get a Bible. Get a Bible. Read it. Who wants a doctor talking about, I made it through law. I made it through, through med school. I ain't even read a book. That don't impress me. Read a book. So you got to have word. That's the reason why when we start singing those songs, all those scriptures flooded us. Why? Because it wasn't the song. It was the word. So you got to get word. Number two, if you're going to win the spiritual battle over your emotions, you got to learn to give yourself a time out when you notice your emotions are spiraling out of control. Adults need time out too. Sometimes don't send a text back. Sometimes don't call. Sometimes don't post on Facebook. 
sometimes you just you just need to pause you just need to stop give yourself a timeout we put kids in timeout now if you do timeout correctly you, you know sometimes folk be whooping kids they put them in timeout that ain't the proper way because now what you're doing is just putting them in a corner so you don't hear them cry that ain't the purpose timeout is the opportunity to gather your emotions I'm going to put you in timeout for 60 seconds so I don't have to beat the brakes off you. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Right? No, timeout is for them and for you. Because if I... And it's funny because we talk about that because we talk about that because I'm a firm believer that timeout is not a one-way street. Timeout is for both the student and the teacher in many cases or the child and the parent. 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 You need a timeout so you don't get your daddy in a situation where he's disappointed in your behavior. God's never going to beat you, but consequences will. I used, to, I used to teach sixth grade, and I told my sixth graders all the time. They said, well, can we do so-and-so? I said, look, you are free to do whatever you like in this classroom. You're just not free to choose the consequences. You can do whatever you like to do in my class, but I get to pick the consequence. So you act a fool, I get to pick the consequence. Now, we have some rules up here that you can follow, and if you follow those, all the consequences are good. He's got some rules you can follow, and all the consequences are good. But you don't have to follow God's, God's rules. You can do whatever you want to do, but you don't get to then choose the consequences. People don't, people don't trust God and they're like, well, God didn't come through. That's the condition of not trusting God. He don't come through because you didn't believe. So number two, you got to learn to give yourself a time out. Stop to reflect and pray during times when you realize that your feeling is overwhelming you. And watch this. Sometimes those feelings are legitimate. You lose somebody in your family, that grief is legitimate. It's nothing that's supposed to say you're not supposed to feel grief. You are. You just can't let grief dominate your entire being after that. And that's not, and nobody gets to put a timeline on that for you. But I will tell you that if it, if it begins to impact your daily life, it's too much. I had a lady one time I was talking to, and she had lost her mother when she was 12 years old on Mother's Day. Now, she was 12. She was now about 32 years old and had a baby of her own. And every Mother's Day, she was just, I mean, she would, I'm not talking about sad, remember, I mean, she was grief-stricken. And I just said to her, I know that you're hurting, but is it fair to make your daughter live through that trauma? Because she has a mother, but you're acting like she don't. And so, yes, you're grieving, but you're allowing your grief to now bleed onto somebody else. The same thing is true with your emotions. Don't let your emotions bleed onto your kids. Yeah, I know your baby daddy trash. I know. But you picked it. You picked it. You, you, you was there that night. You picked it. And I know he trashed now, but, but don't let your emotions bleed over to your kids. And so you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are paying attention in these situations. 
Doing those timeouts, consider what you're really feeling. A lot of people try to act like they don't feel a certain way when they really do. There's nothing. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. God, God can handle, can handle your, mess. your mess. I don't know why people think God can't handle your mess. He already know it anyway. He already know it. So you saying, God, I'm messed up right now. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm angry. I'm jealous. I'm, I, I'm feeling discouraged. God can handle that. When you acknowledge it, then he will help you get over it. Amen. Number three, if you're going to win the spiritual battle over your emotions, you got to learn to deal honestly with the uncomfortable emotions that you feel. You got to learn to deal. Some emotions are uncomfortable. They don't feel good. And you can't just act like they don't exist. If I break my arm right now and I don't go to the hospital and I just go, oh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. Because of the way the human body works, that arm will mend itself. But it may mend itself crooked. So some of you think you're healed and you think you're whole, but you're crooked. Your souls are crooked because you never acknowledged what you were truly feeling. You never said it. You never wrote it down. And I don't mean you always got to tell somebody, but having a journal is sometimes the best thing you can have. And if it's so personal, write it down and then burn the journal up. But get it out so that it don't stay bottled up on the inside of you and you keep talking about how there ain't nothing wrong when everybody can see something's wrong. Come in the house, you mad at the cat and the dog. What's wrong? Nothing. Are you sure? I said ain't nothing wrong. It sure seems like it. Understand, it's not sinful to feel a certain way. It's sinful to respond inappropriately to the way you feel. Did you hear me? It is not sinful to feel a certain way. It is sinful to respond inappropriately to the way you feel. I was talking to a young man who was believing God for his celibacy. And I was talking to him and praying with him and I was just saying to him that because he was like well you know I, I, I want the urges to go away and I was trying to be honest with him I'm like if you are a heterosexual male and you see beautiful women the urge may not go away right. now we can try to make people think they're going to go away but that's just that's just setting people up for failure so, so, so what I told him was just listen when, when, when the feeling comes when the urge comes acknowledge it but then say but I'm not going to compromise my integrity. Right, right. That's like you take it captive, not by acting like it don't exist. Well, Mountain, you act like, act like she's blind. I don't see her. 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 Yeah, you do. And she your type. You see her. So you just have to acknowledge it and go, you know what? It's an uncomfortable feeling. I acknowledge it, but I also know there's something greater on the inside of me. And I'm not willing to compromise my integrity. I've made a decision about this part of my life, and I'm going to hang right in here. And sometimes, this ain't, even, this ain't one of my notes. This, this is like number 3A or B or whatever you want to call it. You got to get a team of people around you who you know will tell you the right thing even when you want to do the wrong thing. I was telling him, I said, listen, 
You know, good and well, you and I both got some friends because we share some mutual friends who, if you're feeling that way, you shouldn't call them. You shouldn't call them. <laughs> you shouldn't call them. <laughs> but we also got some mutual friends who you know you can call. Even if it's 2 a.m., they'd be like, you know what, just come to my house. It's cool. Just come on. Come, come crash on my couch. But you got some other friends who you call. Man, I don't know what's wrong with you. Don't nobody drive no car till you test drive anyway. All these dumb statements. But here's the reality. Because we are emotional people, we know exactly who to call. You, ain't, you, know, you know who to call based on what you want to do. Yes. You want to do the right thing, you hit the right dial number. You want to do the wrong thing, you hit the wrong dial number. And what you've got to learn to do is you've got to learn to get the emotions out of it and go, hey, if I want to do the right thing, I've got to have more right people in my phone than wrong people in my phone. Number four. We're almost done. Number four. If you want to win the spiritual battle over your emotions, I know this is going to seem a little odd, but you got to learn to take care of your physical health. Because your physical health is connected to your emotional health. The Bible says, Beloved, above all things, I wish you would prosper and be in hell even as your, even as. He says, so I need you to be healthy in your body so that your emotions aren't out of whack, so then you are controlled by your emotions. If your body isn't feeling well, your emotions can be difficult to manage. Raise your hand if you've ever been hangry. Uh-huh. We all been hangry. We all been hangry. Somebody ready to go eat and they still hanging around at the church talking? I'm getting hangry now. I done preached the word. I'm hungry. Let's go. Listen, anytime you're hangry, you respond. To, Snickers got commercials. You seen the commercials? You become a totally different person when you're hangry. But you shouldn't have to be. If you grow up, you don't have to be. And watch this. Use those. Well, this, this is actually number five. So let's go to number five. And then I'll come back to my point. Number five. Learn the lesson God wants to teach you through your emotions. Number five, learn the lessons. Let me go back to hangry. If you find yourself being hangry, then you need to learn to watch yourself in those situations. I got people who I work for all across the country, and they have different things that they do. So one of my direct reports, when I first met her, she, she started off the conversation by telling me, you can't talk to me in the mornings until I have my coffee. It's kind of a weird thing to say to somebody who's your boss the first time you see them, but cool. So we got to know each other a little bit better. And I had to call her about 7 o'clock one morning for something. And she said, Dr. Trickle, I haven't had my coffee yet. So after I repented... <laughs> I noticed it was an opportunity for me to work on my emotions. Because when somebody tells me something like that, that doesn't sit well with me. But what I noticed, though, is it really had less to do with her, and it was what God was trying to teach me. See, it wasn't about her. 
It was really about me and my response when I felt like someone was being disrespectful to me. Because if it's one thing, my God, that I am still yet being delivered from. It's the spirit of disrespect. And so what God was trying to teach me is that you can't control who disrespects you. What you can do is control how you respond. So when I was in a less intense state, I said to her, I don't know who you used to work to before. Or what your relationship was. Well, when I call you, I'm only calling because I need you, because I don't like to talk on the phone. So if I call you at 7 o'clock, I expect you to answer and be polite, even if you haven't had your call. Are we clear? She said, we're clear. See? Which was far better than what I said, Jen, the first time. So you got to learn the lessons that God is teaching you when you have inappropriate responses to your emotions. Don't just write them off. Go, okay, God, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? The Bible says in 1 John 4, 5 that God is love. If God is love, then we should be responding in love. Amen? Listen, I'm going to finish up with this last thing. I want to read something from John 16, 33. John 16, 33 says this. It says, these things have I spoken unto you. Now watch this. That in me you might have peace. That word peace means what? Nothing missing, nothing broken. It says, in the world, you shall have, you shall. Pastor John talked about that word this morning. It says, in the world, you shall have tribulation. It says, but, but what? Be of good cheer. Why? For I have already overcome the world. And then there's a scripture that says, as Jesus is, so are we in this so if he has overcome we have overcome look at what he says in the passion translation it says in everything that I have taught you is so that the peace which is in me will also be in you tell your neighbor say neighbor, neighbor. Jesus, Jesus didn't have, didn't have no, issues. no issues so if he didn't have no issues we shouldn't have any issues he says everything that I've taught you is so that peace so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me, which is why we have no reason to fear. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have already conquered the world. Fellowship of Champions, you are champions in this world. And you are champions in the world to come. And as such, we must learn to live by our faith and not by our emotions. Amen? Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning.